With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are prompt as always, Julia. <laughs> well, you know. <sighs> so I'm back to That's recording in I my do. office, which is nice. Why? You afraid to go home? No. What did you do? Uh, I haven't done anything. Um, but <laughs> I I have gotten more than a little bit of flack from my wife because she'll forget that Thursday at six I do this, and I just like go down into my den or step outside with a cigar, and she doesn't know why I'm just leaving the house and putting my phone on. Do you guys have a shared? Google Calendar or something because I know you don't use iPhones. Um, we, I mean, we don't have a shared calendar. We share stuff between each other. Um, I'm telling you, the my... shared calendar has been very helpful, even for stuff we share between each other. So There's part no of more, my... oh, I gotta remind you, we need to do this on this date. So I would be all for her managing something like that. Part of my problem is, um because my calendar is mostly client-related stuff. I can't share that with her, and I don't want to manage a separate personal calendar. Well, I mean, literally, it wouldn't be for that much stuff. I mean, we use it for appointments for the animals and, like, my OB appointments. Okay. And him, when he goes PDY, like, out of town, Mm -hmm. he puts them on there because he just gets really sick of me saying, when are you leaving again? (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean, and then when we go out of town, we put that on there. And, like, if it's anything he's going to, like, I had, a, you know, the back surgeon appointment I wanted him to go to, mm-hmm. so I put that on there. So it's okay. pretty limited. There's not a lot of stuff on there. But as long You're as just, you check uh, it or you have reminders set, then it it's helpful. A shared calendar is one step away from a shared Facebook account. It's nowhere near a shared Facebook account. <laughs> We have a, a, what's it called, um, an Apple family account, which is weird. It is kind of weird because, like, one person has to set it up and they're, like, the director of the family account. Mm-hmm. So, like, I control his permissions, mm-hmm. which obviously I don't use spitefully because that's just silly. But my mom is on it, too. Okay. And then, so, because with Apple, if you have, if you both have Apple products and you have a shared account, or you have a family account, you can share apps. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. Some of them are prohibited from sharing, but a whole lot of them you don't have to pay mm-hmm. for twice if you both want to use mm-hmm. something. The one subscription covers it all. Yeah, uh, we have a similar thing. And our with music our... and our movies are shared that way kindle stuff works the same way so if you have a kindle phone it's all tied to one amazon account yeah so we have a lot of movies in digital we have like over 200 Mm -hmm. movies in digital so 
for him to get the movies on his phone and his iPad, you know, he's got to have access to the same purchasing account that paid for them. So that's why we have the family account. But it is a little weird because, like, I can, like, go on, you know, find your friends and find where he is. And also my mother. So mm-hmm. probably stalk my mom more than I do my husband. <laughs> well, she's up here alone. With vagabonds going after her. No, she's she's pretty she's a pretty capable woman. No, but I mean it was a nice way to like because she needed more storage, but she didn't want to like pay for it, and we already had because it goes from like fifty gig rights, mm-hmm. like two hundred and fifty, and there's no uh-huh. way with our backups we needed like two hundred and fifty. So I just put her on our family plan, so she's using the same storage, and we're still way under. But mm-hmm. she doesn't have to pay for it because we'd have to pay for it either way because we needed more than 50. So I just told her to jump on the family plan. She's fine with that. Except she sometimes has to text me and be like, what's the last, what's the code on your credit card? And then if she buys anything, it goes on my credit card. So whatever. My wife she's just not, you know, she's not a teenager. My wife accidentally had me pay for a whole bunch of textbooks this week. So that was a fun talk. Oh. Well, my mom's on a teenager playing Fortnite, so I don't really worry about her online purchases. Oh, you know, it's pretty much okay. I think there's like a there's like a revolving subscription for uh, like New York Times crosswords. You know, I was really hoping because I was I was playing Fortnite. I was really hoping (laughs) that Betty N sixty nine sixty nine was your mom. No. (laughs) Nope. No, sorry. No. No, she's funny, though. I shared with her, you've seen that video going around Facebook about the virus that got unleashed on World of Warcraft, like, mm-hmm. in 2015, and how they've been using it to study plague outbreak. Oh, yeah, they, they, they did the, the, military. the zombie. They did the zombie plague thing, right? Well, they didn't do it on purpose. It was a dot mm-hmm. plague that occurred in a specific dungeon instance, but nobody who listens, if anybody listens, mm-hmm. is going to know what instance is that they've never played WoW. Mm-hmm. So it, it it occurred in a specific instance, except something mm-hmm. was broken with it. So people mm-hmm. were bringing it out of the instance into the real mm-hmm. world, and you could catch it like you caught a plague if you were mm-hmm. in proximity of a person who had it or an infected pet, mm-hmm. then you caught it. And so it was a really good way for the CDC to kind of, because it took them like a week to fix it, to go in and study like the patterns of how people behaved mm-hmm. as a result of this plague. Yeah. Um, and she like, I said, did you look at that? And she's like, well, it had something to do with World of Warcraft. I knew it didn't have anything to do with me. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's actually really interesting. And I tagged you in it on purpose because I thought you would find it interesting. And she still kind of was just like, well, you know, I don't understand that. And I'm like, Mom, the video is, like, really easy to understand. It's really self-explanatory. I, I think your Just mom was politely it. saying, I don't have time for your nerd shit. No, I just, you know, <laughs> she's got a very, a very negative attitude towards video games. Mm-hmm. I listen to They make you podcast. kill people. Yeah, I listen, they do. I listen to a podcast on, uh, 1A, Joshua Johnson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
um, that he just did on video game addiction. It was uh, was interesting. I did like the one guy on there who was like, you know, there are many people who don't identify as gamers that are, in fact, actually gamers. And it, that usually blows their minds when they find out that them playing can, Candy Crush puts them in the same demographic. <laughs> I tried to. I was watching something. I think it was with Deborah So, and one of the things she was talking about was not video games, but porn addiction, because she's a, a sex researcher and therapist. And I think, much like porn addiction, video game addiction is really just procrastination. I mean, I think there are some, there's some, there's a, what they did, because the WHO, uh, World Health Organization, just added video oh, game I was getting really excited. I was hoping it was the band. I was excited for a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> they just added video game addiction to the IC, ICD. Mm-hmm. Is it ICD? Mm-hmm. Well, because... Uh, there's corollary things. Well, yeah, but it's interesting because it's not under a substance abuse disorder. It's under, it's something having to do with impulsive behavior, mm-hmm. which I actually think substance abuse should be under impulsive behavior as well. I mean, I don't think that distinction really is. Um, well, it chemical dependency and inhibition control are, are two different Chemical things. dependency is not addiction, though. Chemical dependency is a facet of addiction, though. No, not always. But, you know, if we're going to keep going down this road, I'll have to get my wife on. You can become chemically addicted to opiates that are prescribed to you and still take Mm -hmm. them in a responsible way and not be addicted to them as in you need to go into treatment for addiction. Mm-hmm. The chemical dependency does not create the addiction. It's not, and it's a facet of addiction to certain substances. It, but mm. in and of itself, is not indicative of a problem with what we would normally consider "quote unquote" addiction. Yeah, we, I mean, my uncle been on the whole realm of the functioning alcoholic here, and again, no, we should probably get my wife on. Alcoholic. No, it's not the functioning alcoholic. My, my, you know, uh, I, I have a family member who has rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. He's mm-hmm. been on pain management for years. Mm-hmm. He's physically addicted to opiates. Mm-hmm. He is not an addict. He's not an addict in the sense where you would look at him and say, oh, he needs to go to treatment. Well, I, there, there's the life destruction aspect so to that as well. It's more than just life destruction. It's having to use more, you know, it's compulsive mm-hmm. use, it's impulsive behavior outside of use, it's lying mm-hmm. about use. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are the hallmark of addiction, and you can be addicted to substances that do not cause physical dependency. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. You can have physical dependency without addiction. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's completely you know, possible what what do Most you call alcoholics are not physically dependent on alcohol that's what I mean, the definition of a functional alcoholic 
And then you always have the number one addictive substance in the world, caffeine. For the most part, caffeine addiction does not uh, give rise to destructive life behaviors unless you have a heart condition. Yeah, but I, I take great issue with using physical dependency as a hallmark for addiction because that's not correct. I said a, a potential facet. It is, but if you can have physical dependency without addiction, then that it really shouldn't be talked about in this, you know, one is almost always involved in the other. I feel like we're going over like the first three seasons of House here of is he a Vicodin addict or does he just need it for his pain? I mean, the dude I told you about last week who's in a medically induced coma, right? Mm -hmm. He's now, by this point, physically dependent on the medications that they're giving him, Mm -hmm. opioids and probably also benzodiazepines. Mm -hmm. He's not an addict. You know, this, this dovetails nicely into something that I wanted to talk about today. Okay. Two things. One, uh, Rod Rosenstein, everyone's favorite deputy attorney general. God, I love that man. Has declared war on safe injection centers. Oh. What? So you know what a safe injection center is, right? I do, and I'm very disappointed that you just said that. I'm, Um, I'm really upset by that why why would so he for for, for I mean, starters i know why because they all think it it makes people want to go use more drugs so for it, starters it just, tacitly approves of it yeah a safe injection center for those who don't know because people do listen to this believe it or not jules is yeah is if they, do, uh, they don't like me it probably not <laughs> That that is some okay. feedback I have gotten. Is uh, God, when will she shut up? You're but, joking, right? Uh, no, but you a safe and longer tangents than I do. Well, that's usually what I say. Is if you actually look at the metrics, I talk for about uh, one third of the time, and Chris and Julia split the other two thirds. So okay, usually you have to me. start sending me the, sending me these things so I can. I can see it because I okay. I think you might be screwing with me. Um, and but a safe injection center basically it is a nonprofit or a local government sets up a space not unlike a needle exchange where people can come to use their drugs with under the supervision of someone who can call nine one one if they OD. That's basically what it is of so that you don't have people ODing in crack houses and in the gutter. Um, under federal law, setting up a facility for people to use Schedule drug, Schedule One drugs without FDA approval, you know, basically that isn't a methadone clinic, is a violation of the Drug Enforcement Act, and they're going to start cracking down. So, so he doesn't have a choice. 
No, he he does have a choice because these things have been popular for decades, and only now are they going to be prosecuting them at the federal level. I mean, is this? I I just don't want to believe it. Is it him that's doing this? Or he released the press statement. Are you sure it's he, not Sessions? He did the interview. He released the press statement. It was him. He was he's the one saying that the F, that the DOJ is going to start going after safe injection centers. <sighs> so everyone's I'm favorite really disappointed in that. AG is showing that he's just another deputy AG. Yeah, he's also a Republican. So, and, well, Sessions is even more, because Sessions every year has been uh, pushing Congress to remove his shackles to prosecute legal weed in the states. And Congress and the Senate keep saying, no, you're not getting any money for that. So potentially with the budget next year, they may um say you know basically just like with uh medical marijuana and recreational legal marijuana in the states just say no you're not getting funding to go after safe injection centers yeah that's that's i mean we need more of that it it does seem to be an exclusively conservative idea um and there are democrats who think this which is why i use the word conservative and not republican Mm-hmm. Um, that are subscribe to that ridiculous belief that if you make things available, you mm-hmm. are tacitly sponsoring its use. The same is true with condoms for teenagers. The mm-hmm. same is true with birth control for teenage girls. Mm-hmm. And then they do that same thing when it comes to needle exchanges and, and you know, safe safe use. And Narcan for police officers. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable to me that people are going to use it anyway. Yeah. Why would you not make it more safe? That's just well absurd. One, let's never forget that these are the people in government that are all about control, that nothing can happen without the Crown's approval. And more to the point that we are now, let's see, Food and Drug Act got passed under Roosevelt, Teddy, I believe, and we get the Drug Enforcement Act under Truman. So we have all of these federal interventions into how to get people to stop using drugs. Except every other country that's legalized it or, you know, in some form or fashion is doing a better job at managing outcomes than Mm -hmm. the U.S. is. Yeah. So I just don't, it just. We have a significant amount of people in Washington that think if you make something a crime, and it's not just Washington, that you will achieve your goal. It, you know, Except think about nobody, the... nobody, every, all the data says mm-hmm. that that is not true. Yeah, California is saving our oceans by making it a crime to use drinking straws. Yeah. 
I don't really don't think that's the same thing, but okay. I, I don't think you can equate dealing with addiction to, you know, an effort to reduce plastic waste. Not um, really. I mean, people aren't going to use drinking straws anyway because they're compulsively required to use drinking straws. When it comes to addictions, when it comes to drug addiction specifically, mm-hmm. and we should have learned this with prohibition. Oh, you're, making you're it telling illegal, me. Making it illegal doesn't work. It makes things worse every yeah. single time. V- voluminously worse because... You create a criminal enterprise that breeds murder. <clears throat> and unregulated sex workers. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Very dangerous conditions. It mm-hmm. also breeds disease. And they're out of their damn minds if they think that these drug addicts are not having sex with people who aren't drug addicts. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they are. It doesn't stay in the community. Their HIV is not confined to heroin addicts. I mean, it yeah. gets out. Yeah. So I don't get that. I mean, safe needle exchanges should be, I, that just should be automatic. And I just, I remember in the 90s how controversial safe needle exchanges were. Well, you know, they're not, you're not allowed to, pharmacists can deny you and it's illegal First of all, it's illegal to possess hypodermic needles unless mm-hmm. you can prove that you have a justified use for them, mm-hmm. which is stupid because it falls under drug paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. And they're illegal to purchase. If And if they want to deny that purchase to pharmacy, they can deny that purchase if they don't believe you. Mm-hmm. So they make it exponentially impossible for people to get access to clean needles. And they make it a crime for them to carry clean needles and you end up with a bunch of people with diseases. Unless, yeah. you know, they're diligent and carry bleach with them, which is not common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's just, I don't understand that. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, nor does it make any sense. I mean, the 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 entire Trump era doubling down on the war on drugs entirely makes no sense to me because it, like you said, we knew this was a failure when we repealed the 18th Amendment 10 years after it went into effect. And the, the very same teetotalers are the ones who then started to push for stronger drug regulations on the same faulty grounds. The the exact same people that were going after booze were the exact same people who convinced the federal government to go after um, street drugs. Yeah. Well, this is the same administration who last year was vehemently against, and Congress was vehemently against, Net neutrality regulations, mm-hmm. but now they're all super huge fans of regulating 
what Google and Facebook and Twitter can censor oh, and absolutely. not censor. It, it makes no sense. And it, by the way, what um, is being investigated by the Senate, we'll, we'll get to how much money the Senate wastes on these stupid-ass hearings when we talk about John McCain, but just this is exactly what I predicted if the net neutrality regulations stayed, which was at a certain point, the FCC is then going to find a way to regulate the content providers. Well, they're, and, they're, they're doing this from ignorance. And I guess that's the thing about it that really, really irritates me. Trying mm -hmm. to regulate the content, they're doing that from ignorance. And there are very good reasons to haul Mark Zuckerberg and Jack from Twitter and, you know, whoever else from Google, mm -hmm. not Google, but the, the social media platforms, haul them in front of Congress and ask them, what are you going to do about this fake news? And I'm not talking about biased news. I'm talking about fake news mm -hmm. and advertisements that are being bought by you know, people in other countries. And like mm -hmm. now apparently Iran is trying to fund the anti-vax movement. I mean, it just, mm -hmm. there is, there are things and questions that they need to ask. But then when they get them in front of them, you've got some idiot Republicans asking about shadow banning and why do you not like conservatives? Because mm -hmm. Alex Jones, it's ridiculous. Well, like, and there I, are I'm trying really to good reasons out. to get them there. And it's not because people believe shadow banning exists. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I wish I could remember because I was reading a, a, a senator, I think he's a Republican from California, who was making the exact same point that I would accept thinking it's a good idea because he says, well, the federal government has regulated television since television was invented. Why can't we regulate the Internet in the same way? And I say, exactly, that's the problem. That the, the federal government gets its hand in the airwaves back in the 30s when it comes to radio and television, inserts some very anti-free speech, First Amendment violating regulations that we have just come to accept as the norms. And to do that on the internet is abhorrent to me. We finally had an, an, an ideas exchange, data exchange, and media exchange.
I'm I'm back. That was me. My internet's been kinky all day. Oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. Um, how far into my rant about how wonderful the internet was before I I got disconnected? You had just been describing internet platforms. That was it. Um, there's this senator from I think California, Republican, who's basically saying that there has been regulation. Hey, the television and radio airwaves since they were invented. So why can't the federal government regulate the internet the same way? And yeah. my standpoint is the the way that uh, the the um, the Roosevelt administration set that up is so horrendously contrary to the to the First Amendment that when we got a chance to get a do-over with the internet. I was so happy that uh, there were wise people in the House and Senate, and I'm about to compliment Bill Clinton here, to say that there needs to be a light touch presumption of no regulation of the internet. And I thought that was beautiful and perfect. Because it it's, it's the perfect medium to exchange media information ideas even when it's stupid like alex jones but to to get the same bureaucrats that want to issue fines for janet jackson's tip flopping up onto the internet is ridiculous yeah yeah i it, it, you know what's funny is that i spend a lot of time on twitter i know you don't spend as much time on twitter as i do all these people who always say, I think I'm shadow banned, can you see this? I can always see it, and I don't follow these people. I don't know them, so they're obviously not freaking shadow banned. That's not really a thing. It doesn't actually exist. Well, it's, it's funny because I've been saying Twitter in particular needs to do, Twitter and Facebook should do some form of shadow banning of, because you have these people like, Will Wheaton, who will get their followers to try and get someone taken down, that they have some pretty sophisticated algorithms. Just make it seem to Will Wheaton like Alex Jones is blocked. Just make it so that Will Wheaton at his IP addresses can't see Alex Jones's tweets. Alex Jones violated the terms of service. We've been over this. I'm totally not arguing this again. No, we're not arguing it. What I'm saying, Will Wheaton still isn't on Twitter, am I correct? He's still on his protest? He used, he, yeah, he used to be on Twitter. He's not on Twitter anymore. So If he is, I, I know, he's shadow banned. I don't see him. <laughs> well, because what I'm saying is just make them feel like they've won. These people who want to, or Mike Cernovich, who want to go on these scorched earth campaigns to get people they don't like taken off the platform. Just no, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna do that kind of behavior, then you're gonna get taken off of the internet. I mean, you're gonna get taken off of Twitter. I mean, that's there's consequences to your behavior on Twitter. I mean, and and that's as it should be. And Alex Jones. If you violate the terms of service. Alex Jones and well, is still on all over Twitter. I don't know. That's if definitely. 
an an issue that a lot of people have with Alex Jones because other people, Richard Spencer, I don't even think was as vile on Twitter as Alex Jones. Alex Jones is receiving special treatment. That's, I mean, that's without a doubt at this point. I, Everybody's we'll see, pretty clear. I think that's what's you know, occurring. Jack Dorsey is not someone I know very well personally, but I remember when Twitter started as a way, you know, when you had to use it over your text and he, I have a feeling, is throwing in the towel for the most part, is saying, you know what, unless you show us a death threat, uh, you can say whatever the hell you want. We might no. give someone a warning and that'll be No. It. That's not what's happening. What 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 is happening? I mean, from what I've seen, is that mm -hmm. Jack has seemed to take the um, the approach that it's better to capitulate to these Republicans. So people who are liberals who I will say often don't always behave appropriately either, um, are getting banned right and left. But um, these, uh, you know, whatever, um, a lot of these conservatives for the same behavior are not getting banned. He's spent a lot of time meeting with conservatives. Mm -hmm about their concerns about censorship, mm -hmm. but he's not also meeting with the other side well, of that argument. We're, so we're he's, he's kind about. of picked a, he's picked a side because he doesn't want to deal with this crap anymore. Well, I think the other thing is kind of quite frankly, profile gets you something. Uh, Alex Jones has a lot of people on Twitter to see Alex Jones. Yeah? Alex Jones has what? A lot, there's a lot of people on Twitter that are there to see Alex Jones, yes? I, I guess. There are a lot of people on Twitter to read Doug Benson's tweets. tweets. But they're not entitled to that, though. Right. They're not entitled to that if that person is violating the mm -hmm. terms of service. So my my issue with this is, as far as, you know, Jack's enforcement of his own rules go, is that it really does seem lately, mm -hmm. this was not across the board forever, but because mm -hmm. conservatives are on this tear that they're being, you know, purposely, um, you know, whatever, blackballed, and they're being purposely, um, you know, it's it's fiction, first of all. And these are, here's the thing, these are the same people who will say, you know, there's nothing wrong with the Valerie Jarrett tweet, blah, 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 she does look like a monkey. And then they get reported for it. And then they scream censorship. Mm -hmm. Except what they just did was a violation of the terms of service. Yeah. And they know that. 
So they're doing things that they know that Twitter is going to say, you know, and I'm not talking about like Alex Jones here. I'm talking about your run-of-the-mill far right-wing jackass on Twitter. They know they're doing things. They're saying things that are racist. They're targeting people and making racial jokes. They're doing that. And then they're turning around and playing the victim and saying they're being targeted and silent. And they, they, instead of just telling them, no, no, you violated the terms of service. This is what you agreed to. This is what you said. So now you're on a timeout. If you keep doing it, you're going to get banned. Instead of just acting like an adult, well, they scream the, conservative censorship. And it's, it's absurd mm-hmm. that Jack is playing into this ridiculous narrative that they have going on because it's not true. Well, the other, the other thing is that Jack also sees that there's competition out there because Twitter and Facebook are in kind of the same thing. Oh, Jack is going to change his tune the minute Democrats take the House and he stops getting all this heat from Congress. I, they're, they're going to change their tune when it affects usership. That's, that's all it is. Uh, if enough well, he's like afraid. Him, I don't think that that's the issue because I don't think it's affecting usership right now. I mean, most of the vehement, crazy racists have already gone over to Gab. I don't think it's affecting usership. I think what's concerning Jack and the reason why he's, he's, you know, paying such homage to these, you know, conservative congressmen and conservative voices about them being, you know, falsely accusing them of being, you know, whatever, uh, discriminated against. He's doing that because he's afraid of regulation. So he thinks that he does everything he can to appease them right now because they're in power, he can stave that off. Once they no longer have power and they can't regulate him, it's going to change. So, but it's it's a really wimpy way to do things because Facebook hasn't done that. And I'll at least, I mean, Zuckerberg is a weird alien robot something. Mm -hmm. But I'll at least give him that. He has not capitulated to um, a lot of the conservative blowhard bullcrap about just conservatives are being censored. Mm-hmm. He has not done that, which you know is one one thing you can say for him. There's not a lot you can say for him, but you can say that one thing. So that's good. But I think Jack's doing it. That's just the tactic he's taking right now because uh, he doesn't want Congress to come back with a bunch of regulations on him. Because the people who are screaming about it the most, mm-hmm. about this censorship and shadow banning and all that other stuff, it's not Democrats. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Democrats want them to get off, you know, like Twitter is not as much of an issue as far as the advertisements and mm-hmm. the fake, you know, you know ad buys. For election. Well, that's just, mostly here's the Facebook. Thing that, that I'm going to say Republicans in charge or not. Um, I think that there are a few libertarian Republicans like Mike Lee and Rand Paul who might give pause. Rand Paul has been screaming about censorship 
mm-hmm. and how Facebook and Twitter need to stop doing that mm-hmm. and how he's willing to regulate them to make them stop. Really? How very libertarian of him. Yes. Yes. He's all on board with the shadow deep state of Twitter, okay, against conservatives. He's been an ample part of that. Look it up. I am looking it up. He's been my Google, bitching up. My Google Twitter. search for Rand Paul wants to regulate Twitter. The first uh, result is how he's endorsed Gary Johnson for Senate in New Mexico. Okay. He is one of the, just look up his comments on social media and conservatives because he's been one of the loudest voices about how social media is is wrongly censoring conservatives. You know the next step to that is to make them stop doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So He's libertarian unless it doesn't benefit him. Oh, sure. He's a politician. Right. But, I mean, all these dudes are calling for censorship. And it's, it's the thing that really annoys me about it is that none of what they're saying is happening is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about the Internet, like I keep saying, is someone will always start something new. That's where I always come from. Are you okay? Did you fall in the pool? Sorry. What happened? Um, I pulled out my cord. Oh. So what, what I, was <laughs> I didn't realize I did it. The beautiful thing about the internet is someone will always make something new. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with them, you know, creating Gab and running all of their racist crap over in Gab. Go for it. I mean, it's a free, it's a free country. Uh, What's his face? Alex Jones has his own website that he hosts his, his stuff off of. I am not in any way, shape or form suggesting that the internet take it down. I don't think that would be appropriate, and I don't know anybody who's advocating for it. Uh, reasonable. I don't know any reasonable person that's advocating for the Internet to ban Alex Jones, because there is no person that controls the Internet anyway. So that's not going to happen. What I have a problem with is these people thinking that they are entitled to the large social media platform Mm-hmm. regardless of how they behave on them. Yeah. That because Twitter and Facebook are the most popular and they exist, that they are entitled to that platform to say whatever they want, whenever they want. And ask and answer counselor. Speaking of wastes of taxpayer money for Senate hearings, let's talk about John McCain. Oh. Can we not, I mean, he's not even buried yet. Can we just let him get buried? I believe he's been interred by this time. No, he hasn't. Is he being buried tomorrow? 
John, when is the burial? I think it's Saturday. Yeah. I just, I mean, obviously he's a Republican and there's a lot of things that that man has done that I don't agree with. Okay. I mean, obviously. Well, I'm not referencing specifically I'm not a Republican. I was specifically referencing the MLB hearings, the steroid hearings. Um, yeah, uh, John McCain thinks that it is the proper purview of the Senate and the federal government to regulate drug abuse in a private corporation. John McCain thought a lot of things that I think are silly and that I don't agree with and that um, I think are, are gross, okay? Um, what I do not like is A, calling him a war criminal, which is absurd on its face, and it goes right back to a conversation you and I have had before, I believe, on this podcast, which is if you do not respect words meaning, a word's meaning, that word will lose all meaning, which is exactly why when people start saying what Israel is doing is genocide, and I say, no, it is absolutely not genocide, it is apartheid that is different. Stop mm-hmm. using the wrong word. And then I get accused of saying that they're doing nothing wrong, which doesn't make any sense because apartheid mm-hmm. is pretty damn bad. So, but the word matters, especially when it comes yeah. to words regarding tenets of international law, because we haven't had those for very long. And they're mm-hmm. very they are very important words to me. And I had a talk over my lunch break about the loss of vocabulary, particularly when it comes to legal things with the mass media. Yeah, but I mean, specifically when it comes to to genocide and war criminal, mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with people misusing those words because... Oh. We, I mean, the blood of thousands of our brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and, uh, you know, went into the formation of a definition, a standard that we have internationally for mm-hmm. that word. Yeah. And the people who it applies to, took, I took international criminal law, I read cases you know, involving some of the worst people, I can't even imagine. They're they're evil. I mean, they're not George W. Bush marching us to war for whatever spurious reasons. They are people who hack off limbs, who make nine-year-olds fight, who you know rape as a as a matter of course. I mean, they are just evil, evil, evil people. Yeah, who, who I, yeah, I mean, it's it's horrific, and I think a lot of these people who keep using that word in as applying to John McCain, they don't mm-hmm. really, they've never read that stuff. They don't really know what they're talking about. They just don't like what he did with the Iraq war, and they don't like that he fought in Vietnam, so they call him a war criminal. And it's so stupid because that word matters, and we haven't had it for very long. And if we get rid of that word, that word, and and mm-hmm. genocide, they made us a better society, a better society on the whole as humanity. 
Mm-hmm. They make us better. And please do not destroy that because it's very, very important. And that's kind of where I'm at with that. <laughs> that's why that stuff makes me so, you know, off the wall, bonkers mad because it's really diminishing what that is supposed to be. And it also, when it comes to John McCain, he was born, again, I'm not saying that this means that we should be, you know, he should be president or he should be running things or he should be doing our foreign policy. I'm not saying yeah. any of that. But he was born in 46. Yeah. There was a very was a different very attitude towards interventionist measures at that time. Mm-hmm. And and I you know, I think it's really unfair to judge him you know, who he is and call him a war a warmonger based off of the standards of when it, when it is appropriate to intervene that we have today. I, that's I mean, that's not something though, because let let's be let's be truthful about this. That post Vietnam, there was a wave of non-intervention that kind of swept through with Carter, Reagan, all the way through Bill Clinton. And it was McCain and other neoconservatives that started to push things towards a more interventionist policy. As it but sometimes to- intervention is is required. Correct. And the the non-interventionists go way too far to one side. I mean, that's why you see on the far left side where they like war is always bad, and we're horrible, and we're being imperialist by being in these other countries. First of all, again, not what that word means. Second of all, they start saying that Assad isn't that bad because they well, have to. Like, like uh, they have Ronald to. Paul praising all the freedom in North Korea because they let their people yeah. smoke. Like there's some yeah. You can be anti-interventionist without being crazy. I don't think anyone would accuse Bill Clinton of being crazy for not doing more in places like Bosnia or Iraq. Yeah, but also you have to understand when people come from a different generation, it's not necessarily fair to call them evil when you're judging their worldview on the worldview that you have now. That's not fair. Like we watched The Darkest Hour the other night. Yep. You know, the, yeah. And if we hadn't had a man like Churchill, do you know what could have happened? And he was not a great person. No. He was not the greatest person. He, I mean, he had many mistakes. He was all for colonialism. And when he was in the army, I mean, he made mistakes that ended up in people dying, okay? Like, because he was, he fucked up, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. He was not a perfect person. But if we didn't have him at that time, at that place, in that job, Europe would have fallen. 
And you can't, you, you can't look at a person like that and just drudge up everything that they did that's horrible, even if it's really horrible. Because the thing that's so unfair about that is that when you're in a position like that, when you're the president or you're a senator for 30 years or you're, you're the prime minister, you know, of, of, of England, mm-hmm. your mistakes are not like, oops, I didn't take out the trash. Yeah. Your mistakes kill thousands of people. And I, nobody else would do any better. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's going to make horrible mistakes like that. The, the thing that I came back to today, because it's one of the most misused quotes in literature, in my opinion, is Mark Antony's speech in Julius Caesar. You know, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears and come here to bury Caesar, not to praise him. It, oh, it's, yeah. Most people don't understand it's an ironic speech. Um, he is there to point out that Julius Caesar was a strong, good man who worked for Rome, and, and um, Brutus was not brave, was looking only at the bad things that Caesar had done, and that there is a great man buried there in Rome is the worst off for it. So it it was uh, I, it bugged me because it was mis it was misapplied in um in uh, Gary Trudeau's um, Alpha House in one episode. Okay. But um there's a line there that, that still rings true which is um the good that men do is buried with them, and the evil that they do lives on long after they're dead. That's kind of what happened to Churchill. You, there, there are serious people in public life today that look upon Winston Churchill as little different than Adolf Hitler. That's he true. saved Europe. He yeah. saved Europe. They wanted to negotiate which is, you know, the, what they're talking about in the movie. They wanted to negotiate with Hitler. Mm-hmm. If they negotiated a truce with Hitler, the UK would have been invaded. They would have been taken over. It would have been the end of the story, period. You know, sometimes it takes a crazy, crazy old curmudgeon dude to see what other people don't see, that Hitler was different. This was not going to be... You know, we could sign a truth and go along to get along. That was not going to happen. It was not going to happen. And, like, it scares me, you know, these people who want, like, someone like Jill Stein to be president, right? Like, I mean, what what does that even look like? The rest of the world burns? I mean, we went into Yemen, not Yemen, we went into um, Libya, because we were literally asked to go to Libya. Yeah. That was a coalition because Gaddafi was coming to kill thousands of people mm-hmm. just for being in the streets. Yeah. I mean, if that's not the correct use of intervention to try to protect them, I don't know what is. Well, and it. 
Mm-hmm. It didn't end well, obviously, but um, that doesn't mean that it wasn't the right choice at the time. Mm-hmm. Or even with um, Rwanda or Haiti, Clinton fought a lot of That was so much more on Kofi Annan than it was on Clinton, though. You're you're the one ordering the troops, but what? We had a we had UN backing for for Libya, I thought, or at least we had a coalition. It wasn't I, just the U.S. I, I NATO at the very least. I don't know UN in its entirety, but but why I go back to that speech is because in hindsight, yes, Iraq. Afghanistan, Vietnam were colossal mistakes. The the mistake of Vietnam is so much bigger because of how long the oh yeah yeah the how long it went on. Specifically, the lies and the misinformation that were coming from multiple administrations and the obfuscation of the military brass on just what was going on. Well, I'm not entirely sold on Afghanistan being a mistake. I mean, or at the very, because the reason why I'm concerned about Afghanistan and lumping it in with Iraq is that everybody wants to know why don't, why don't we just get out of Afghanistan, right? There's a very good reason why we don't get out of Afghanistan. There's a very good reason why aside from 9-11, we went into Afghanistan because Mm -hmm. the Taliban and Al-Qaeda was taking over Afghanistan. They live right next door to Pakistan. Pakistan can't secure their country. Took over, not not taking over. They have completely taken over. Right, and they don't, Pakistan A, doesn't like us, and B, cannot secure their country, and C, has nukes. Mm-hmm. So once we realized the error of this group that now ran Af- Afghanistan and how they wanted to come and destroy mm-hmm. us, and they were right next door to a country that they could have easily taken over that had nukes, that became a security issue for us, and mm-hmm. it still is. It still is a big security issue for us. Iraq, I I will give you, was a a train wreck, but not Afghanistan. Um, Al-Qaeda takes over or gets a big foothold in Pakistan. Before you know it, Pakistan and India are at nuclear war over Kashmir. That's what happens. Yeah, if they don't get a nuke and decide to send it our way first. So... I don't know if they could reach us. Well, either way, it's it's a huge problem. What? It's a huge problem, and there's no good solution to it right now, honestly, because Pakistan doesn't, you know, they want to work with us, but they don't really want to work with us, you know? I mean... And I think the biggest problem for me is um, there is a mythology surrounding certain past wars 
be it World War II, World War One, the Spanish-American War, or even the American Civil War, that victory was declared and life goes back to normal? No. It, well, obviously the United, not. <laughs> the United States and NATO leaves World War II, and the world is more fractured afterwards of NATO versus USSR for decades. Oh, well, you can even add to that. No, you can even add to that. It's not even just NATO versus USSR, which is what we're dealing with right now with Putin. Okay. It's also the creation of Israel and how they chose to do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of the reason that a large swath of Middle Eastern America absolutely hates European countries in the U.S. is because we sat in a room together without them there and decided we were going to take this piece of land they and give it to give it to the Jewish people. What? They were on the losing side in the last war. They don't get a say. They weren't even in the war. No, they weren't. I'm <laughs> saying. The World War Two is about old grudges from World War One. A big part of Israel was about sticking it further to Persians and Ottomans. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying because every time I've had this conversation, I've been accused of being an anti-Semite. I'm not saying that Israel shouldn't exist. I'm not saying that we should take Israel away. I'm not saying any of that. But the fact of the matter is, and it's, it's, it is absolutely true, is that the way we went about doing that well, is absolutely and created more destabilization for us. Now. Well, and there's no good option because creating Israel may have been a mistake. You know what would have been an even bigger mistake? is releasing all of the Eastern European Jews back to the USSR. Oh, yeah, no, they'd be dead. Yeah, they'd be dead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying we should have not created Israel. I'm just saying that you can't talk about what's going on now without acknowledging that that's playing a role in why things are the way they are. you know, getting back to it, of the uh, <clears throat> the NATO destabilization of democracies in the region, the the coup in Saudi Arabia, it all plays a role too. Uh, now I'm depressed. Well, so anyway, that's why I don't think you can really judge. I think it's unfair to judge John McCain off of, you know, what what the left thinks is the right way. Well, the left and the right are pretty united in the anti-interventionist camp. Yeah. I mean, the far left and the far right would like nothing better than to remove all of our bases from every country and, you know, just stick to our own, you know, whatever now. That's what they both want. So it's unfair to judge John McCain's foreign policy views on what you're thinking now because you have, 
you know, all of these years of, you know, the, a lot of these people grew up, you know, either most of them post-Vietnam. Oh. So their attitude towards it is completely different than his attitude growing up before World War II even started or during World War II would be more accurate. Well, and we also get into the whole thing, like I said, I don't just like to appreciate everyone's in the I didn't hear that. Your internet is sucking again. Your internet sucks. Oh, for Christ's sakes. I'm going to have to call it well. This is ridiculous. That sucks. Well, I was just saying that with, with the ideologues, like Gary Johnson was raked over the polls because he said during the libertarian presidential debates that he would not state that if there were a genocide going on in the world, even if there was no threat to the United States, that he would not send troops in near the because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's a whole lot easier for these people who really don't want to go to war to become Assad apologists and say Assad isn't that bad of a guy. I mean, that's what they're doing. Well, the way that they're, they're the way that they're justifying their view is not to say we don't care. Mm -hmm. The way that they're justifying it is to pretend it's not happening. Which is bad, and that goes into the whole fake news thing, right? Yeah. The white hats are fake news. They're the ones really causing the conflict and the problem. Blah 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 blah. You know, I mean, it's it's. If you have to lie about what's happening to justify your views, yeah. then your view has a problem. The same is true. I mean, Glenn Greenwald does that all the time. Mm -hmm. I expect that stuff. I guess I talk about it from the left more than I talk about it from the right. But to be dead honest with you. More people on the left than on the right. Huh? 
you listen to more people on the left than on the right? No, I don't even think that's it. I think the reason why is because it makes me so much more angry when I see it on the left, especially to the extent that we're seeing it now. Did you read the book review in Politico about Chapo Trap's houses, you know, whatever book on socialism? No. Will I be? It's really funny. It's really funny because they go through like, you know, the history of the United States and um, they leave a lot of things out. What is this book? Chapo Trap House. You know what that is, right? Yeah. They wrote a book um, about the history of the United States mm-hmm. and there's in you know why socialism is good for us uh-huh and it's horrible it's so mm-hmm. bad at least for I didn't read the book, but at least from the politico you know. The, the the thing that I found very interesting is if if you want to um, Dave Rubin's chat with um, Jeffrey Tucker from the Foundation for Economic Education was very interesting to see because one thing that Jeffrey Tucker hits the nail on the head with is socialism always comes from the political and social elites who think they know what's best for poor people. And fascism always comes from the bottom up of poor people sick and tired of what the social elites want to do to them. Say that one more time. That socialism, you know, you look at people like um, Marx or Lenin of these are social elites within their society who think they know what's best to do for poor people in their country and will right. save them at gunpoint if they have to. Fascism, on yeah. the other hand, bubbles up from the bottom of poor people who get riled up about what the social elites are doing. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. <sighs> but, I mean, things like, here's a gem. South Korea was governed by a series of alternating military and civilian dictators in the aftermath of World War II. Therefore, the Korean War, just like the entire Cold War, was emphatically not about democracy versus totalitarianism. It was Mm -hmm. about capitalism versus threat to capitalism. Mm -hmm. That's leaving a lot out. Make crap up. I mean, yeah, right. and and this right. is, I'm going to sound like my father-in-law right now. This is the problem with socialists is they cast everything against the lens of economic philosophy. And that's not. Oh, well, in the new socialist, the it's not just that. It's also against the lens of the United States is horrible. Yes. And we are. I get so annoyed when they say, you know, like when we intervene in Yemen or when we intervene in Libya, that we're being colonialist. Wait, are these, we are not being colonialist. Are these El Chapo bros, are these the same ones who I think a week ago said that it's worse to be in the U.S. than it is in Venezuela right now? Ooh, I don't know that. 
I don't know, maybe. I could see them saying something there like were, that. There were some far lefties, and it, it was a Vox article I was reading, but it, basically they were saying that it, all this talk of collapse in Venezuela is fake news, and it's still worse to be an American than a Venezuelan right now. Yeah. Here's a good quote for you. Oh. Here's, a good, here's a good quote for you. Yeah. Um, this is about post-war communist threat and that drove containment, okay? They you say, quote, worst, just, I want to mention the worst ethnic cleansing that the world has ever seen from the USSR. They said, quote, who cares if the Soviets won the Cold War? Quote, pick your dictatorship. Would you rather live in Fidel Castro's Cuba or in any one of US, U.S.'s many military junta political states or police states? What are these police states they mean? I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, we've done a lot of terrible things. I don't dispute that. I mean, our interventions, our interventions, and I use that in air quotes, in South, in South American countries was, was shameful. Um, well, you know, we well, owe this, a lot. We owe a lot. We owe a lot. To a lot of people for some really horrible, horrible crap we've done. Because it was not all about saving people. A lot of it was about um, a very toxic uh, attitude of we know better what's what's right for you. Well, well, to, to be real. But we haven't been applies. doing that in years. Well, let, let's get back to the real thing of when we're talking about South American and Central American intervention, mostly what we're talking about is the U.S. keeping control of the Panama Canal. Mostly what we're talking about. Yeah, and in the, yeah, and in the effort of doing that, we did a lot of really horrible, disgusting things. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know what really bugs me is that they are <coughs> always, because they're American, right, so they're always so focused on everything crappy America did and calling mm-hmm. America colonialist and imperialist and whatever kind of is you, you want to come up with for that. And we really, as far as colonialism goes, we were nothing compared to UK it, it or was a lot a, of the other the, European countries that they, by the way, adore. Like, why can't we be more like Denmark? Well, why don't you ask Denmark how many, you know, areas in in Africa they took over by force and ruled? Mm -hmm. But they get a free pass on that, right? Because they want to be like Denmark now. Or France or Spain or Germany. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're huge fans of Germany. But, like, they throw up a lot of these, you know, like, northern european countries as like the bastion of the best countries on god's green earth right Mm -hmm. and then they they focus all on these horrible things that america did and we were the worst force you know for evil in the world and all Mm -hmm. of this stuff and they they just ignore the fact that we we never had an empire like Mm -hmm. a lot of these countries did and still do I mean, to a much I mean, lesser extent, but I mean, the things that they did with colonialism was horrific. Mm-hmm. Well, and also 
to be fair about the American empire, most of our empire came from the truce with Spain. You know, that's how um, Guantanamo Bay, um, Virgin Islands, um, Puerto Rico. Hawaii. Hawaii was horrible. Yeah. But um, our, our military bases in the Philippines, I think Guam is all part of um, what happened in the aftermath of the Spanish-American War. And again, you get back to bad decisions. Let's imagine, for example, that under Spain, the entire population of Puerto Rico was dependent on the Spanish Empire for its most basic resources. And the U.S. just leaves. What happens? They starve and die. They're fine with that as long as we aren't the ones that are doing it. Yeah. I mean, I really just keep going back to like World War II. And I know that we didn't become involved in World War II until we got attacked. Mm-hmm. But, um, which I still think is horrific and terrible to this day. But would they have, I mean, I don't even think they would have been for involving themselves in World War II, even if. Mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor had happened. I, they they still would be like, no, 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 it's none of our business. Well, I mean, I as mean, socialists, and that they was the time when we have, were less connected. As socialists, they probably would have been very supportive of a lot of the Nazi Party's policies. Oh, for God's sake! Redistribution of wealth, big time. Um, reorganizing industry under a regulatory state. Yep, right there. So what if they were targeting certain undesirables like ethnic minorities? They were rich undesirables, which is justification enough. I mean, they're just so gross. At some point in the book, do they mention real socialism has never been tried? No, I don't think so. Okay. But their 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 uh what they their conclusion. Okay, so after slogging through 276 of the book's 282 pages of bad history, and mm-hmm. I hate to tell you, tepid jokes, the authors finally get around to their grand plan. Spoiler alert: This is literally it in its entirety. Quote, after setting everyone on equal footing by seizing the billionaires' money, socializing their wealth, and handing the keys of production over to workers, you're looking at an economy that requires something like a three-hour workday with machines taking care of most of the drudgery. And as our public funds pay for things like healthcare, education, scientific research, and infrastructure, all this technology actually makes work quicker, easier, and more enjoyable. Um, If no one's working, how are their taxes? Just, just Julia, I, I know you're pregnant, but could you like just take a few shots real quick, kill some brain cells and answer that question for me? No, because I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what they said. I do not understand what they said at all. It, and they, and it's also, wait, how are you seizing the means of production and how are you taking all of the rich people's wealth? I mean, are we doing this by force? Like, I, I, mean, I want to make this, there's probably I make gonna this be clear. Some blood. 
I want to make this clear. There are two things at play here, and there's two parts of history that should be recognized. One, China did this, and the country goddamn starved. Two, the USSR did this, and the country goddamn starved. Because... Well, who's in charge of it? They will be. The enlightened socialist elite, they will be. No one who no. ever proposes socialism ever thinks they're going to be a worker. They think that they're going to be running it. They already are. These people make so much money, it's absurd. And that's when we get into the ethics of it, because at a certain point, like I, I, I'm, I'm reading this article, they, they rake in like, like 150 grand a month from Patreon for, yeah. for their podcast and stuff. Uh-huh. That at a certain point, it sounds a lot more like what John Edwards does. And I mean psychic John Edwards of just preying on rubes who want you to tell them what they want to hear. Uh, I mean, if that's their solution to the great socialist revolution, mm -hmm. if that's all it is. Now, granted, I'm reading an article about it. I haven't read the source material. Mm -hmm. But if that's accurate, then that is so obviously a scam. Did they release this book into the Creative Commons so I can read it without paying for it? No. But they are shitty socialists. Uh-huh. It just, I just want to mention, even Cody Wilson released his stuff into the Creative Commons, and he's an evil capitalist pig. Let's see. Yep, federal no, job. Oh my god. So okay. Dear Lord. You know, on the bright side, um, is I just want to remind you, Julia, even though you disagree with it, I will use my second amendment to help protect you and John when uh, the great socialist uprising happens. I'm going to my neighbor's house. Oh man. He's 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 got his stuff together, man. He can, um, you know, he just how to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. He's got it. Yeah, it's uh, list price twenty five dollars, sixteen oh five on Amazon. All right. They're even giving Amazon their cut, giving Jeff Bezos even more money to get his thumb under the proletariat. Yeah, I find that hilarious. Okay. Wow. And I'm sick of them saying that Denmark is socialist or Finland is socialist or Norway is socialist. None of those countries are socialist. None of them. I, I mean, Zero. the, the argument, Zilch. for example, that they're comes not socialist. You know, even the Cato Institute has has extolled the virtues of the Finnish and the Danish model because basically what they say is, look, if you let business be business and you don't shackle it the way we do here in the US, you can pay for these programs. But 
if you want to shackle business and pay for this stuff, you're not going to generate enough wealth to pay for it. So if the devil's bargain I have to make to get universal health care is we pretty much end the regulatory state as we know it, I, I might be able to swallow that pill. Yeah, but they have environmental regulations. They don't let them run hog wild. Well, they also don't, they, they also never had any industry of that type because um, they are so incredibly blessed, even in Norway, with such natural ways to generate power. Like Norway is mostly geothermal, like Iceland. Yeah, but they, they have, you know, and they also, industry. they do also have a lot of workers' regulations. So, well, that's again, why I well, they have a lot of workers' rights, but what we're talking about is they don't have, for example, you need to pay $1,500 if you want to convert your vacant lot into a parking lot like we have here. Yeah, but we have to, we can't, I mean, there's, there's two types of regulations we cannot forego, which is protection of worker rights and protection of the environment. Because then we'll Which have, you know, like the river in Cleveland on fire again. Uh, they obviously cannot be trusted. That happened. That did happen. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a major coal waste spill in the Rouge River with all the regulations on Earth. Well, yeah, of course, there's a whole lot of examples of this. That's what I'm saying. You can't. You can't, um, you know, completely forego all those regulations. There's no way. I think you can. N no, because they're not going to. Detroit schools right now just had to shut. Oh, no. Shut down those because companies are not going to. No, no. Did you read about this? And all I the pictures they found lead and copper, yeah. Yep. But these these companies are not going to regulate themselves what? on environmental what? issues. The water and having and... all of these great, you know, great program social programs are not going to matter when everybody's being poisoned. Mm -hmm. Well, being poisoned by the government because the water quality is a failure of government. It's not a failure of industry. Yeah, but I'm not, yeah, and that was a bad example, okay? But the, the companies dump illegally mm -hmm. all the time, even though it's not legal. And I mean, it, there's no reason to believe that they're going to regulate themselves uh, to protect the environment. There's literally no reason to believe that because they never have. Well, and let's also get down to some major differences of the reason America's on coal is because America has a shit ton of coal. That's it. The other reason is that while most of Europe was changing over to nuclear, we had Bruce Springsteen dictating energy policy at a concert.
Just because we have a lot of coal doesn't mean we should be using a lot of coal. And it's more than just coal. It's because we have outdated infrastructure that's dependent on coal-fired plants. It, it's the only way you could get electricity to the heartland and through rural areas. The other part okay, of the problem... Okay, but wildly unregulated fracking in Oklahoma is causing earthquakes. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to think these, that these companies will regulate themselves on this stuff. And they should not have, I mean, they, they should not have a right to to do things that are going to impact everybody else's property around them. Yeah. Their and right to not be regulated ends at my, my property line. Yeah. And okay? that's what you get with government regulation is they say, I don't give a shit if you don't want them in your backyard. They have a permit that we gave them. Tough nuts. Right, but that's not right. But that's all I'm saying is you cannot forego all regulation mm-hmm. when it comes to the environment. You just can't. This was covered really well in uh, the book, There Will Be Blood. But once upon a time, for example, to get a drilling permit, because of the way mineral rights work and that oil reserve is underneath everyone's property in town, you had to get the whole town to sign off on it. Not that way anymore. So it should you be. either had to buy the whole town, which brought with it its own problems. But no, now um, I think there was talk even um, of drilling again on the uh, Porcupine National Forest for natural gas. There, there was absolutely none of the people who lived around there had any say in it. No one who yeah, lives in northern Michigan has any say over the Mackinac pipelines. It shouldn't. That shouldn't happen because they own that property and they have a right to protection of that property. Eminent domain, baby. All right. I think we're running out of steam here. I think so. But yeah, I mean, if if you can uh, promise me that uh, we will loosen business regulations um, as opposed to what Elizabeth Warren is talking about of federal licensing of businesses that make too much money, yeah, I bet we could have the Danish state. I don't see why not. Okay, okay. All right, well, I'll let you have the last word on that. Sounds good. Thank you, Julia. And apologies for all technological problems. Oh, yeah, no worries. I'm going to go have I will. with my beautiful wife. That sounds like a plan. I'm going to do the same with my beautiful husband. Bye, dear. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.